yeah, a really special day today, a day that, yeah, we do stop and just remember Jesus' cross and his death and resurrection. Um, and, um, yeah, just enter into the significance and the weight of that. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to bring a bit of a message around that um, this morning before we then we'll sing some more songs as well to celebrate. And, um, yeah, it's interesting that all good stories... Um, interesting stories, good books, movies, even stories of people's lives, often come to some kind of climax. Um, there's a tension in different stories. Often there's different storylines and threads and tensions and conflict, and often there'll be this point of climax when everything comes together and there's this make-or-break moment in the story where it's either going to go well or it's going to be a tragedy and it's going to go terribly. And often that's when the tension is the highest in the movie, the music is intense, and it's really interesting. And really, in the story of Jesus, what we are looking at today is the climax of this story. This is where it's all been heading. And I think part of the reason why we love stories so much, why people watch Netflix so much or read novels so much or tell stories so much is because we're actually in a story. Life actually is a story. And the ultimate story is this story of Jesus. It's not just a story of one man, but what he is doing is actually the climax and the central point of history and the central point of everything. It's actually a true narrative that we're in. And the cross is this central point. And it's interesting because literally a cross, when you think about it, is two pieces of wood that intersect. It's two directions that cross over. It's two stories that meet, two stories that intersect. And Jesus is at the center of this meeting place, the center of this intersection of our story of God's story of the different threads of God's story come to this climax, particularly of God's story and purpose and mission to rescue a broken, sinful, dying world. What we've been doing um, sort of in the teaching at Rivers this sort of year, one of the focus we've had is this series called The Man. And part of it is being focused around Jesus and who he is and people sort of not being sure about him earlier on in his ministry. And he actually started to face lots of opposition. And we looked at the story of Jesus' opposition, which started with just some people being confused, that it led to people being concerned and testing him and questioning him, and then started to mount more and more, so the people actually started to plan to kill him. Um, there's this thread, this story, through the story of Jesus' life, of mounting and growing opposition to him and what he's doing. We read these verses um, not long ago, but I'll just read them again, because it, it's just so clear, this this narrative that's under the surface of Jesus' life in John 11:47 to 48. It says, The chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. It's like the religious leaders call a meeting. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here, this man, Jesus, is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. The next verse, it says, Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. There's this story of Jesus' opposition, which is mounting and growing and actually then starts to be plans to kill him. And then what we recognize on this day is that then they are successful. They've not just been opposed to him, but they plan to kill him 
and then they're actually successful. They do it. And the cross is really the climax of the religious leaders' desire to put an end to Jesus. They condemn him as worthy of death, and they crucify him. But it's really interesting because the other narrative going through the Gospels is the Gospel story of Jesus' own mission. And it's interesting because Jesus is not surprised by going to the cross. In fact, we've also been talking about it in the devotions on Wednesdays. The last few weeks we've been looking at Jesus predicting his death and saying again and again, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be buried, I'm also going to rise again. He says it to the disciples multiple times, and they just don't get it, they're too confused. He even has a meal and says that the meal represents his body and blood given, all before it happens, not after. There's this mission that he's been on, and he knows that this is going to be the height of his mission. In John 12, this is a little bit after that, that passage we just read before, Jesus, talking about his mission, says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus is, again, talking about his death, which to him is when he will be glorified. This is what he's been working towards. This is where everything's been heading. So there's these two stories, his opposition and his mission that intersect, and it's actually that at the height of his opposition, Jesus fulfills his mission. What looks like victory for his opponents in putting an end to him is actually his success and completion of his mission given by God. What looks like stopping him is actually assisting him and fulfilling the purpose of God. Even that other verse before, when, when the religious leaders say, Jesus, it's better for Jesus to die, the next verse says that the Holy Spirit actually inspired them to say that, because it is good for Jesus to die, but for totally different reasons. So I see this intersection, this crossover on the cross, the climax of Jesus' opposition and mission. But it's not just Jesus' life and mission and story that's significant on this day. But as I was saying before, it's actually the whole history of the world that's significant of the day. It's not just Jesus' own story, but God's story and our story. And it's actually the larger story that we see throughout the Bible and we see in history, the narrative of human and spiritual evil. That God made things good, but very quickly, the start of the story in Genesis, we see humans don't trust God or follow Him or live under His authority, but do things their own way, and it leads to destruction and death. There's human evil that spreads over the whole earth, and the world we know is tragically broken and sinful. There's death and pain. And it's not just that one time, but there's a narrative throughout the Bible and throughout human history of people again and again not trusting God, or coming back and then rejecting Him again, of Him showing mercy and then rejecting Him again. Even His own people, people He shows mercy to, again and again, people reject Him, and human and spiritual evil spreads. It, we see this in John 1, 9 to 11. Again, this is the start of the Gospel of John talking about Jesus as the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. God was coming into the world. The light was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, his own people, but his own did not receive him. Again, God comes in the flesh 
and is rejected. And in many ways, this is the height of humanity's rejection of God. His own son come to him, God in the flesh come to humanity, and instead of being received, is not recognized, is rejected, and not only that, is put to death, and not only that, is crucified. That's what humanity, that's what human and spiritual evil does to God, does to the light when it comes into the world. But there's another story throughout the Bible, which is the story of God's rescue and God's love and God's mercy despite the evil in the world. It's the story of divine love. And as I was saying, God again and again comes to rescue, comes to forgive, comes to call humanity back to him. Even just in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve don't trust him and disobey straight away, he makes close to them, and he goes on this plan to rescue them and to love them. And in many ways, this story of God's love for a broken world and a sinful world comes to its climax on the cross. Uh, Romans 5, 8 is an awesome verse, which um, explains this really explicitly. It says, Paul's writing, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is where God's commitment to his covenant, his promise to bless the world, his plan to rescue the world, this is where it takes him, to the cross. And we see just how great his love is. We see just how great his divine love is. We see the height of human and spiritual evil is met with the depths of God's divine love. And you can look on the cross and you can see both. You can see both just how bad evil is, humans are, the world is, and you can see just how great God is and his love and his mercy, that he would go to the cross that he would sacrifice his own son, that he would take it on himself. Again, it's not just that he loves in the face of evil. There's this rejection and then this continual love. It's not just that, but again, this is part of a bigger story and a bigger problem, which is the story through the Bible of God's justice, that God is merciful and forgiving and loving, and he does love sinners, but he's also just, which means he can't just let sin go. He can't just let people off the hook. He, he loves sinners, but he has to deal with sin. Um, and there's this story throughout the Bible of God doing that and God working to do that, which is basically the, God's desire to make things right, which is the removal of sin, the healing of land, the healing of communities, the bringing of justice, the making things right. Exodus 34, when um, Moses uh, God speaks to Moses about himself. We see this tension in God's heart. It says this, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. God is this forgiving, gracious, compassionate, merciful being, but he is just. Because, because he's merciful and gracious and loving. He wants to deal with sin. He wants to bring healing. So there's this tension and this story of God's justice, but there's also this other story of God's mercy. And they seem in tension. 
And there's a tension throughout all the Bible of how do these things go together. And in the cross, in many ways, the tension is resolved. Again, Paul talking in Romans, there's this great verse which talks about how God's mercy and God's justice work together in the cross because of sacrifice. It says in Romans 3, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Sacrifice is the way sin is dealt with. So Christ becomes the sacrifice through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance or patience, he had left sins committed before unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time and so to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. God needs to be in the right and do right, but he also wants to say that we're in the right and make us justified before him. So how does he do that? He takes our place. He becomes the sacrifice. That's the way he deals with sin, by taking it, by carrying it, by taking our place so we don't have to suffer for it. God deals, God's justice deals with sin on the cross. And God's mercy pardons sinners. You can look at the cross and see both justice and mercy together. These different stories, different tensions, different problems, goals come together and there's this climax point where they cross over and at the center of that point is Jesus. The center of that point that we celebrate is today, Good Friday. This, to summarize, this story of his enemy's opposition and the fulfillment of his mission collide on the cross. The story of human and spiritual evil and God's divine love for humanity collide on the cross. God's justice and God's mercy and grace and desire to forgive come together where Jesus is on the cross. It's the climax of God's story. It's the climax of all of human history. It's the climax of the Bible. It's the center point of everything is what we celebrate today. It's also the climax of a battle. There's this battle that's been going on, which is why things are the way they are, which is why Jesus has to do this. Uh, He talks about this in John 10, verse 10. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There's a battle, Jesus says. There's spiritual evil, and that's characterized by lies, stealing, thief, destruction, ultimately death. And there's Jesus, and who's God in the flesh, the triune God, whose heart is life. He's the author of life, and he comes to give life. Jesus' mission is to give life. His enemy's mission is to destroy and bring death and lies and destruction. Jesus' mission and goal is to bring life. But his mission leads him here to the cross. And in the next verse on, in John 10, after saying he's come to give life, John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We see life crosses over with death on the cross. And Jesus embraces death and lays down his life as the good shepherd. He makes a way for us to have life by giving up his own life. That's the central point of this story. And when we look on the cross, we see the heart of God 
and the grace of God and his heart to rescue us at all costs. It's the tragedy of death and the hope of eternal life comes together and he takes death. He chooses death so we can have life. So today is kind of strange, and, and I guess as I was sharing today, just reflecting on this intersection of so many things at this one point in history, this high point of Jesus' life. So in many ways, today, Good Friday, is both tragic and hopeful. And I don't know if you might be able to experience some weird way it's possible to experience those two emotions at the same time, that this is a tragedy and this is our hope. The cross is both hideous and beautiful at the same time. It's both sad and joyful. Jesus even talks, or the verse talks about Jesus saying that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There's joy beyond this and actually points to the joy that's ahead. Today we can both mourn and lament and at the same time rejoice. Um, And in many ways, even though this is the climax, there's still tension here. And again, Jesus offers his life, he fulfills his mission, but there's tension between now and Sunday. And there's also tension for us between Jesus' death and resurrection and his second coming. There's still tension in the story, but the ultimate tension is resolved in this climax on the cross, while we still wait for him to come and make all things new. So we're going to respond today um, by taking communion in a moment. And as we do this, really, Jesus' story, the story of this battle, the story of human history, when we take communion, we celebrate that that intersects with our story, our personal story, our communal story. Jesus' story intersects with us because he died for us. He died for you. He died for the person next to you. He died for me. So as we come to take communion, let us give thanks that he would do this, that he would take our place. Uh, This is a time to both humble ourselves and acknowledge our brokenness and sin, but it's also a time to let our head be lifted because this shows just how much we are loved and just how great his grace is for us. So I'm going to pray in a minute and then um, these guys will play and and we're going to sing some more songs and you can take communion But as you do that today, I just ask perhaps you would just say to yourself, as I say to you, this is Christ's body broken and his blood poured out for, and you can say your own name, Christ's body broken and blood poured out for Tim. Christ's body broken, blood poured out for you. Perhaps even you can place someone else's name there as well and consider that Jesus died for them. So we just thank you, Lord. We just honor you and worship you today for this climax, the central point in history where you gave your life. You chose death that we could have life. We thank you that you are the good shepherd. Thank you for your body broken and blood poured out for us. And we just worship you and honor you today and just praise your name, offer ourselves to you afresh. Amen.